Thanks so much, Wayne. I'm going to invite my friend Eric to come on up here. And Eric is going to be uh, speaking this morning on the passage, as, as Wayne mentioned. And uh, we had Eric up here uh, sharing announcements with me, or I don't know, what, what did you do exactly a couple weeks ago? Anyways, we brought it, you up here. It was the, the burning questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing you, and I was afraid of the burning part of the questions. I was like, why, why that <laughs> adjective? Three, I don't know, I just call it three burning questions, things that people want to know. There you go. Um, but anyways, a couple of months ago, Eric took part in our uh, Exploring Leadership course. It's a six-week course, uh, Growing in Leadership, Developing Leadership. And out of that, uh, we started talking, and Eric expressed a desire to, to test some of his spiritual gifts and an area of, of preaching. And so we've been walking through that and wanted to provide an opportunity for him to do that. Eric has been involved uh, previously in our youth ministry. He's also been involved at Crow's Nest uh, Bible Camp and in, involved in teaching some of the young people in the programs there. And, uh, and so we, we want to give you an opportunity. And one of the things that we've heard, I always hear from either people on our preaching team or guest speakers, is that, man, College Drive is just such a joy to preach to. Because you actually, you're so engaging, you, you laugh when we're funny and even when we're not. Yeah, there'll be a lot of that. Yeah, and, uh, but your, your, your body posture and everything just promotes just, a, it's easy to, to speak to you. And so I pray that you would, or I ask that you would bring that uh, same attitude to Eric as he uh, comes today. And there's always some nerves, but uh, Eric's been preparing. We've been meeting and talking through this passage for the last couple of months. And so I just pray blessing on you as you, uh, you bring the word to us today. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, hi, everybody. Name's Eric. Name's up there, just in case. Um, before we get started, I have something amusing that I want to share with you. But first off, um, I want to say I love the uh, How Great Thou Art. I love the hymnals. That song was so good. Um, I don't know if any of you like me when I, I read the music up on the screen. At the end, I always read the, like, the little blurbs at the bottom, written by so-and-so, copyrighted by so-and-so. There was like Bethel Music. There was, I think, in ECM Publishing, The Devil is a Liar Publishing, which, for whatever reason, it just tickled me. I was like, that's, could you imagine networking as a guy from The Devil is a Liar Publishing, like just handing him your business card? I, I don't know. I had to share that with you. Anyways, um, yeah, so I'm Eric. I've been at this church for a few years. If you've been here a while, you might remember me. Uh, actually, you might remember, some of you might. Do you remember me as the guy who left his headlights on the first time he came to church? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a mortifying experience for me, by the way. I do have to share a little bit. I, I came to church, I left my headlights on outside. No big deal, right? But Kimball comes up on stage and he says, I'm getting some feedback on this at all. Is anyone else hearing that? Anyways, I, um, I'm sta Kimball's standing up here on stage, he's about to do his thing, and he says, oh, by the way, there's a vehicle, such and such description, such and such license plate. He doesn't sound like that. I don't know why I made him sound like that. I immediately recognize, that's my car outside. Oh, how embarrassing. What should you do? You get up, leave, turn your lights off, come back. But what happened for me was my brain said to m myself, Eric, this is a social faux pas from which you will never recover. <laughs> you must not, under any circumstances, let them know you left your lights on at 10.30 a.m. on a bright summery day. You just can't let them know. So I waited 60 seconds, thinking to myself, if I get up, no one will notice because they'll forget the announcement. And if they see me walking out, they'll just think, oh, he's going to the bathroom. 
because for whatever reason, that's better. I'd rather you think that than I'm turning the lights off of my car. Anyways, um, I fooled none of you. I stood up. I was met with laughter and clapping and jeering in my direction. If you've been laughed at by 100 people in a sanctuary, it's hollowing. It's, uh, but, weir but weirdly enough, and Kibble kind of addressed it, it's, it, this place is a joy to be. And I felt like this was a place where it felt familial. That's how I've always described this church, was familial. And that day when I left my lights on, I knew that I belonged here. So, anyways. Okay, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I just had to get that out. I've been holding on to it for five years at this point in time. So, uh, we're going to jump into the scripture today. Well, but before that, I will lead us in prayer, and then we'll begin into it. Father God, thank you so much that we get to be here today. Uh, thank you for the wonderful weather and that there's going to be food after this. I thank you again for the food that's going to be after this. And Lord, we just pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word today. Whatever it is that you are here talking to each of us individually about, I pray that it would impress upon us throughout the day and the weeks and the months uh, moving forward. And we thank you for this, Lord, that you're here with us. Amen. All right. So, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18, or you can turn your Bibles on, or I don't know if it'll be popping up on screen there. There we go. I'm going to read it to you, so you're not going to escape it. If you don't feel like opening your Bibles, I'll just read it out loud to you. So, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. For this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And by this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Okay, so if you're just joining us today, if you haven't been in the series yet, we're in a series called Am I in the Light? which is a, a really relevant question that comes up in faith journeys. If you haven't asked it yourself, you probably will. If you have asked it and you've kind of come to terms with it, there'll be people in your life that you teach that will ask this question. It's very relevant when it comes to our faith journeys. Am I in the light? How do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I have this real relationship with God? It's, uh, it's so relevant, in fact, they dedicated an entire book to it. Well, not the entire book. He talks about a lot of other things in this. But um, in the book of First John, he uh, talks in circles about three different tests that exist that you can test on, your, on yourself to see, am I in the light? Uh, we've talked about all three of them already, but uh, the author of this book kind of goes around in circles through them. Uh, we've talked about the truth test, otherwise known as the theology test, and the idea behind that is that if you're a Christian, then you will have certain things you believe. So, there will be certain things that are just, they correlate together. If you are a Christian, then you will you can't say God isn't real and also say you're a Christian. Those two things just don't work out together. So there'll be certain things that you do believe as a Christian and certain things that you will grow in belief too as well. The second test was the morality test or the behavioral test. 
And the idea there being that if you're a Christian, then there will be behavioral changes or there will be certain things that you're doing in obedience. The idea there being that we're not trying to see if you can, uh, the scripture's not trying to see if you can mechanically produce the right proper behavior. It's more asking, based on what we see on the inside, this inner reality, what is being expressed. It's more checking to see what's on the inside of you by checking for the behavior. That's the idea there. Uh, I, I call it external expression of an inner reality. And the last test, the one we're going to be talking about today, is the love test. And the love test follows the same logical structure. If you are a Christian, then the way you love is going to change. Right? So who you love, how you love, how deeply you love, the quality of your love, the objects of your love, it, it's going to change in some way, shape, or form. Right? So that's the idea behind the love test. Now, what is the love test exactly? Uh, it's actually at the beginning of this passage for us, verse 11. Uh, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Uh, from the beginning, uh, apparently commentators say that that means the beginning of their conversion. So this is things that they would have known and that we would know as well. If we've been in church in a while or if we're just coming here, you're going to hear it a lot. We ought to love one another. And loving one another here is in reference to brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's fellow believers, that's people in your spiritual community, it's people sitting next to you in the pews, uh, maybe believers you work with. Uh, it is the, the church family. And I always find uh, verses like this interesting because, and, I, and I've heard this, I'm sure some of you have heard it as well, there's like a, a weird objection, not weird, it's actually kind of sensible, there's an objection that comes up of like, why the focus on each other, right? Like, aren't we supposed to love everybody? The answer to that question is yes, by the way. You don't have to look very far in the Bibles that you're holding to find love thy neighbor as yourself, uh, feed the, the hungry, the poor, the widow. The, like, it's love everybody is the attitude of Scripture, right? Uh, so why the focus on loving one another? And I think it's a really sensible test uh, for the, the scope of what we're testing here. If you're asking what's your inner reality, and you're looking at, say, the things that you love as a way of testing what that inner reality is, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't love the people that you're on this journey with, then you're going to have a harder time loving people who are not on the journey with you. As it says in verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And in some areas of the world, this can be literal vitriol, where people hate other Christians because they are believers of that faith. But then there's also the idea of the world as a biblical concept, which is, you know, living life without God is a factor, to put it in a short form. That way of living is opposed to our way of living in a lot of ways, and a lot of people might hate you, hate you for it, but they're opposed to you. And if you don't think that's true, uh, just uh, walk outside today, try and find a modern person who's not in the church and talk to them about you know, waiting until marriage to have sexual relations or spending more money on the people who are needy versus yourself. Like, there's a lot of things in the scripture that is opposed to. And if you can't love the people who are in the light with you, you're going to have a harder time loving the people outside of the light. Does that make sense? And so the idea there, if we're just testing to see if, that, if you are in the light, just testing to see if we love one another is all that test needs. And so it's actually a very sensible test. But we are... Yes, we're still called to love everybody in and outside of the church. All right, so the test is we love one another, but what does that mean? How do you know that you're loving one another? Because, you know, I have some warm, fuzzy feelings about certain people here, and 
Um, there's always an occasional difficult person, I'm sure. Not here, of course. I'm talking to people online and at other churches. You guys are all great here. But it's true, right? Like, even outside the church, there's people that are easier to love, and we, we love them. So how do you know that you're actually loving the way that Christ talks about throughout the Bible or throughout his uh, uh, talks and throughout Scripture? Uh, we actually see it in verse 16 through 18. Verse 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So that's the, that's the idea of the test there. So what, are you, what are you doing with what you got, basically? If there's people here in the church who have need, and almost certainly there's going to be people in need everywhere, including the church, if you have the means by which to fill these needs and you choose not to, then, as it says here, how do we say that the love of God abides inside of you, right? And, again, this, this makes sense because... Well, A, you're trying to choose between do I let go of the things I have that I want for the sake of this other person's benefit. And if we go by verse 16, which is, uh, indicates to us the depth to which this love goes, this is how far Christ went for us, that by we, this is how we know his love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. The idea behind this love is it's self-sacrificing, is that we are emptying or disadvantaging ourselves for the advantage of others. Now, it's at this point I kind of want to take a, a quick sidestep to mention something when it comes to filling the needs of, of other people in the church and outside of it. Uh, because when we read verses like this that says, are there people in the church that have need? Um, we think, okay, I should fill needs of people that have them. You know, if they don't have food, water, clothing, fill those, right? Definitely, you should. Those are high priorities. People can't live without that kind of stuff. But when you look at the way the Bible approaches need for an individual, it goes beyond just food, water, and clothing, right? There's a place in, I believe it's in Jeremiah, is it the prophet Jeremiah? He's the one who saw the, heard the little whisper of God, um, and he was depressed at one point in the Old Testament, and the angel of the Lord shows up, basically forces him to take a nap, and then gives him some food to eat, right? So he addresses that physical need for an emotional uh, he uh, it sees that emotional eating gives a physical response. So it's not just food, water, clothing, we're good. There are emotional needs that you have as people. You have social needs, intellectual needs. Um, you have spiritual needs as well. And we can all help each other fill these needs. So while we should, yes, take care of the big three, food, water, clothing, and shelter, there's other needs that we can all fill here. You know, there are gifts and abilities uh, that, you have, that you all have individually. And that falls under the purview of world's goods. The idea of world's goods being the things that we have. That can include your material possessions. It can include your money. But it can also include things like your talents, your skills, your time, your energy, your presence. It can include a, a variety of things. And if we're going to ask, how do I fulfill the need of people in front of me? I don't really have a good rubric to give you. I don't know whether or not, do we supply this need to this person? Do we supply this need to this person? It could be something mundane, like a cell phone. Do this, does this person need a cell phone provided to them? Or does this person need me to come over and help them right now with something? I don't have a rubric to give you. The, the only way you're going to know how to answer that question is by getting to know that person. And that's going to be kind of one of the first things about 
uh, this talk that I want you guys to remember is that if we are going to fill needs with each other, if we are going to be able to show that we're passing this love test, we have to be around each other. So if you have a spiritual community that you're involved in, I encourage all of us to get deeper into it, get to know each other more to the point where you can say to yourself, I know what this person needs. I can see their life in front of me. We're living in fellowship with each other. We each see what we need to give each other. If you're not part of, say, like a life group, I know we do life groups here at this church, um, I would encourage you guys to join one or start one. If the schedules doesn't, don't work, then there are other ways. There are family and friends and coworkers. There are believers that God has given you in your midst. And I would heavily encourage you guys to lean into that community, not just for the needs that you have, but for the needs that other people will have that you can fulfill. I know I spent a little more time on that when I want to, but I thought I felt it was a very important sidestep to recognize the holistic nature of need. It's beyond just those food, water, and clothing. Now, there's something I want to address here because this is an important part. This is where the gospel part really comes in, and it can be easy to miss. We're thinking to ourselves here, okay, am I in the light? That's the thing I want to know is am I in the light? Okay. Well, I know I'm in the light if I love one another. So if I'm loving people here. So if I love Carson who's sitting here in front of me. Okay, well, in order to do that, I have to get involved in community. So I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to spend time with him, find out what his needs are. And I'm going to fill the need. Boom, I'm done. Okay, then I've passed the love test, right? That's, that's a thought. That's an easy temptation. And I myself, I can understand that when I was reading through this, that was almost the reaction I had of like, oh, okay, so I see what I need to do. If I'm going to if I'm going to pass this love test, I just got to find people who have needs, and I got to fill it. Okay, and if you're thinking that way, um, first off, totally sensible, totally understandable. I get it. That's a, I think that's a pretty proper, normal human reaction. But I'm going to say this, is that if you're thinking that way, you're already failing the love test. And the reason that you're failing the love test, if you think we can go out and that we can do these things and thereby pass the test and therefore call yourself in the light. What you're saying is, is that I can go out there and I can do with my own effort and my own works is I can put myself into the light. I can do the things and I can put myself there. And if you've been involved in the faith long enough, you'll recognize immediately that that is exactly the opposite of what we believe. We don't believe that I can go out there, I can do the right things and I'm good. It is that Someone else has declared me good, and that enables me to go out and do right things. So in purview of a love test, if you try to, what I call, force a pass, you invalidate the test. It would be like pouring acid into a water to prove that it's acidic with a litmus test. Kimball did the litmus test. Uh, he talked about it at the start of this series. You dip a piece of paper in a liquid, comes out a certain color, well, look, it's an acid. But if you have a liquid, you're not sure if it's acidic, and you think to yourself, man, I really want this liquid to be acidic, and then you pour acid into it to pass the test, it ruins the test. The test is broken. You've poured acid into this liquid. You still don't know if the first liquid you had was acidic or not. So if you go out and you try to force a pass, you invalidate it. The thing that this test is checking for is to see what's already there. The way that you end up passing this love test is not by you going out and passing the love test. If you have a pass on this love test, it is because somebody else gave you that pass. Verse 16, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Jesus is the one who passed the love test in all the ways that matter. If we can get to a point where we recognize that I have not passed the love test, 
in the ultimate sense and even in just, you know, day-to-day interactions with everyone here, but in the ultimate sense of even loving God, loving Jesus. I, I fail that test every day. And when you can get to a point where you recognize that you fail that test so bad that there's no amount of extra credit reports you can write, no amount of groveling you can do, no amounts of uh, overtime, there's nothing you can do to make up. You can't get a pass on that test. You're, you're hopeless. And unfortunately, the consequences of failing that ultimate love test are eternally dire. And so it, it seems hopeless. But yet, I can stand up here and many other people, they can say I'm in the light because I've been given a pass. I had my failure with me, and Jesus, who has a pass on the test, gave his pass to me, and then took his failure and took the consequences with it. And so if I'm walking around saying I am in the light, I have to remember as I say that, I didn't put myself there. Even if I go out and I do nice and good things, I, like, I didn't put myself there. I'm just doing these other things because I'm motivated to do it. That's, what other people, that's why you make decisions. Whatever's inside you is what makes the decisions outside and how you act. And so that's what I want you to remember as I want you to remember the gospel is that you did not make yourself pass the test. You have given it. So how does that help us when it comes to loving brothers and sisters? Why does knowing that, okay, fine, I got a pass from Jesus, why does that mean I love the brothers and sisters? Because when you see somebody who's in front of you and they have a need but they can't fulfill it, it puts you in the same position. You recognize, I, was in an, I had need and I couldn't fulfill it. And yet someone... Jesus gave me that. He fulfilled that need. He had the means by which to provide the need, and he did it for me. And now I'm in a position. Here's a brother or sister in Christ, someone in the spiritual community. They have a need. They can't fill it, but I have something that can fill this need. You know, give them some food, give them some money, give them some time, whatever it is. I can do that. I get to live out the gospel in this little tiny way. I get to live it out. I get to be a part of that narrative. I get to externally express that inward reality. And so that's what I want you guys to remember moving forward. And again, I heavily encourage you guys, if you're not already involved in community in some way, to do so, because these are the moments where we're going to be able to even see if that is inside of us or not, but also because it will help other people who do have needs. But remember when you guys go, I don't know what it is for each of you, if it's a, a verse, if it's a story, if it's a picture, if it's this idea, live with the gospel in your heart. Remember that you don't, earn the past it's been given to you that's what the gospel is and however it is that you individually remember the gospel live in that dwell in it moment by moment so that when those little tiny events happen where you can fulfill a need for a person you'll recognize it for the little tiny gospel that it is i'm going to close this out in prayer and then i believe there's some music and then food which i know everyone's looking forward to so We'll close that out and move on. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for uh, the time today. Thank you for your word and the direction that it's given us in our heart. I pray, Lord, that as we move forward that uh, we would find people that you have prescribed to us in our life that we can connect with and that we would be able to fill each other's needs and lift each other up in fellowship. And Father, I just I pray that as we walk through the days, as we walk through every step we take, we would remember that the past that we have was not earned, but it was given. And we thank you that you, your son has done that for us. We thank you, Father. In your name, amen.